Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we unpack the big political stories of the week. My name is Mike Siluma. Uh, leading our top stories this week uh, will be the state of the ANC. That's where we're starting off. Uh, does it still have a good story to tell? Its former president, Tabombeki, thinks not. And then, we'll all, also on our menu, we will be... Uh, looking at the disgraceful fiasco that unfolded at the Pan-African Parliament in Midrand uh, in the last week, where chaos broke out, not over the advancement of our continent, but over power and positions. Should it shut up shop for a while to let people cool off? This aircon is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shift. Can you please come in? Let's welcome my guest this week, uh, Dr. Bongani Ngulunga, who's the director of the Johannesburg Institute for Advanced Study at the University of Johannesburg, who is also, by the way, author of the book, The Man Who Founded the ANC, which is a biography of uh, Pixiliga Isaga Seme. Uh, with him is uh, our own politics editor on the Sunday Times, Usmongawonke uh, Shoba. Dr. Ngunuga, let us start with, with you. This week, Tabo Mbeki ventured into the public space that he normally kind of skirts, you know, and he was very forthright. And he seemed to be very aggrieved, talking about people who are not really A and C. But before we get to that, wh- why is he increasingly vocal about what's going on in the ANC? Because there's a period where he, he did, seemed to be deliberately staying away from the internal party politics. I think there is, uh, he has been given space uh, to address uh, members of the ANC. We saw that with uh, the ANC provincial leadership in Wazulu Natal, I think it was over a year ago, that invited him to come and speak to them. I mean, so last week it was the Eastern Cape. And I think it partly reflects the big problems that the ANC faces. I mean, they are trying to find solutions in a sense, and they've gone back um, to to him, which is an interesting issue because generally, I mean, if you check political parties across the world, they tend to look forward, I mean, in a sense, and look for a new generation of leaders who will come up with new ideas. But in the case of the ANC, increasingly, you see them going backwards in a sense. I mean, we see that being demonstrated by the invitation of its uh, former president. Is, is it a bad thing or a good thing to draw on? And I know it's, it's a debate that, 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 that comes, comes and goes about generational change. And, and, and Shoba, I'd like for you to come in at some point that, that about generational change and that the old people must make way for the young people. Is, is, is it always a bad thing for an organization to, to look back? Not, not necessarily, but I, I mean, he has something to contribute. I mean, he knows the ANC, he grew up in the ANC, and has been in the leadership of the ANC for a very long time, even before he became president. But I think what makes uh, this case particularly noteworthy is because you do not see the next generation, I mean, in a sense, credible leaders of the ANC, I mean, because... 
I mean, if you think about the ANC in historical terms, uh, the current president of the ANC belongs, even though he was born in 1953, if I'm not mistaken, but he belongs in the same generation um, that former president Tabompegi belongs to Jacob Zuma, Palo Jordan, and all of those people. Those are people, in a sense, who brought us the democracy. And you would think that there would be a new uh, group of younger leaders, perhaps relatively younger leaders like the Malusi Kikawas, Fikile Mbalulas, and all of those people. But most of these people are caught up in the uh, scandals of one sort or the other. So there is no new set of leaders with uh, new ideas that should respond to the new situation that South Africa and the ANC faces today. And increasingly, they are looking back, I mean, at a generation in a sense that has had its turn. And, uh, and because there is nobody new with any new ideas, I mean, they are forced to go back. And it is quite noteworthy that it is the young people who live in provinces, by the way, who are inviting these uh, older leaders, in a sense, to come and solve the problems that they themselves should be solving. Uh, the, 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 do you agree that the ANC has failed to produce a, a new generation of, of, of leaders? In, in other words, if, if according to Dr. Ngulunga, we, we are relying on the older leaders who've had their turn, it means that, I mean, most of them are in their 70s, some of them are pushing 80. It means that in 10 years' time, will be led by someone who is 100 years old in the presidency. Thank you for inviting me, Brother Mike, once again. I agree with Professor Ngulunga about the fact that the next layer of leadership of the ANC, um, most of them are, are compromised. And it tells you about the culture of the ANC, um, about how you get to be in leadership of the ANC, that in, in one way or another, you get compromised along the way. And the people who have a, a, a high moral standing are, are sort of kicked out of the process of electing uh, leaders of the ANC, partly because there is, there is this use of money, uh, there is a lot of gatekeeping that is taking place in the ANC. So if, if you are a good citizen, Pramike, who does not involve himself in any shady dealings, you are likely to, to lose uh, in, in ANC leadership contests that are currently taking place. But uh, what I want to also add is that the, the return of, of President Beggy is not uh, a coincidence. And, and I think there is a, a group of, of, of leaders who sat down and said, no, in order for, for us to win whatever battle we are, we are facing right now, let's send an SOS to him. Uh, the Sunday Times is working on that story, Brian Mike. We've been working on it for quite a while to tell our readers exactly how it happened. But I think there is a certain group within the ANC that sat down and said, uh, <clears throat> how do we win this battle? And, and how do we legitimize uh, our, our, our struggle? And, and, they, 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 and they looked among themselves and they said, there is no one amongst us. And, and hence, they sent that SOS as to an elder, an, an elder like uh, President Mbegi. Of course, you can tell that uh, the, the posture that he is taken is, uh, is a posture that says um, the cleanup of the ANC cannot happen with a, a certain type 
of of membership till uh, being inside the ANC. Um, his input in the NEC, um, where he spoke about how the differences are. So I, if there is ideological differences, then you you can't continue. And, mm. and then they made an example of the of the gang of eight. And mm. um, in the Eastern Cape this week, he also uh, asked the question: Can you have this renewal? Uh, with uh, with these people who are not ANC still within the ANC, and how do you get rid of them? Uh, and and it's clear, it's it, it's clear that he has taken that posture that you can't achieve renewal within the ANC when you have these people that he says are un ANC, and 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 these are the people who who the 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 grouping that has called him, I believe, is trying to get rid of. Okay, okay. Hey, Dr. Ngulunga, as, a, as an ordinary member of the public, uh, I hear Chabombeki uh, saying there are people who are not ANC. He says, are they really ANC? You know? For, for me, they all wear yellow t-shirts. They all sing the same songs. They, you know, then they all call themselves ANC. What, what does he mean when he says, are they really ANC? Is there such a thing as a real ANC and a not real ANC? Well, I mean, in a sense, it is not a new position, by the way. Uh, he articulated a position that he has held for a long time. I mean, for instance, I mean, when I listened to him saying that, I mean, I went back to the speech, by the way, that he gave in Polokwane, his uh, last speech as president of the ANC. Because that is where he made exactly the same point. And he has a particular view of what the ANC should look like and who should qualify to become a member of the ANC. I mean, if you look at that speech, actually, he outlines his own vision of what an ANC, a legitimate ANC member should look like, despite what the ANC says in its own constitution, that it is a voluntary organization and any person can join the ANC. But for President Mbeki, he said a member of the ANC or even a leader of the ANC should represent the same values that John Dube, he mentions names specifically, John Dube, Mahatoli, ethical, moral leaders. And, and I suppose he could have included his father, Sisulu, and many others who have led the ANC before. But actually, the circumstances have changed. I mean, you have people with ambitions ambitions for political power, ambitions for money, and given the dominance of the ANC in our society, they will see the ANC as a vehicle for doing that. I'm not so sure how effective a moral appeal would be, or even what in the ANC is called political education. And perhaps what the ANC needs more than anything, more than anything, actually, it's modernization in order to respond to these specific challenges that it faces, institutional reforms, so that uh, those people who, according to them, shouldn't become members of the of the ANC can be weeded out. I mean, because right now, I can wake up in the morning, I mean, go to the branch, I mean, apply to become a member of the ANC and attend ANC meetings and be a member in good standing. So what is a legitimate member of the ANC in that respect? Uh, Smangawonga said says that uh, the he alludes to the fact that uh, the ANC has had crises, you know, before, you know, different kinds of crises, you know. Um, would would you say this is the worst crisis that that it has faced, or or because you know so some people in the ANC tend to just like you know 
poo-poo everything and say, ah, no, you know, we always survive, we always emerge kind of thing. Then, then you know, it, it happens, you know, you just roll with the punches. It's the nature of the ANC's life and history. Yeah, well, I mean, the ANC has had crisis before. I think what compounds it right now is what is at stake. Uh, because what is at stake is quite significant, I mean, if you think about it. There is power, which is at stake. I mean, the crisis that the ANC has had before, there was no power at stake. I mean, there is power at stake. There is money at stake, as we know, that people use political positions that they hold to get access to money. And some of the people who are involved are people who are implicated in wrongdoing. I mean, so, I mean, if you lose power, you can go to jail. I mean, so the stakes are much higher, and that is the reason why the crisis is deeper. And I think just one additional thing, the ANC leads society. And so what happens in the ANC affects all of us. I mean, all South African citizens, it affects our economy. And that is the reason why the crisis, the political crisis in the ANC has huge implications. I mean, it's true. I mean, there is a notion, which I think former President Tawampegi, or an argument that he has made before. I think at some point there is an expression, he used a Leninist expression, better fewer, but better, which flies against the notion of the ANC as the broad church. I mean, if you look at the ANC historically, what you consider to be the three most successful presidents of the ANC actually held a different view of the ANC and tended to think that the ANC would be stronger if it accommodated everybody. Kuma was the first one who was president of the ANC from 1940 to 1949. It was Lutule and it was Tambo. Those were broad church leaders of the ANC, but former president Tambo for a long time has held a view I think that there are people who are in the ANC for wrong reasons and that for the ANC to move forward, those people need to be removed. But I won't get the, 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 the assuming that 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 uh, former president Mbeki is right, that the, these people are, they are just careerists and they are there for the money and they, they therefore they are susceptible to corruption, etc. Is there a level at which at all we can say there are ideological differences that are driving the current crisis in in other words if you go back to uh, what when he was president you know the, you know there was this whole thing the battle over over policy where people were talking about the class of 96 and neoliberalism and all of that and other people were saying well, they, were, they were more revolutionary than tabon baby could ever be you know after all he was schooled in the uk and everywhere else kind of he's not a he's not a real revolutionary kind of you know he's like a reformist you know, is is there in this case, in this fight, is there any tinge of ideological difference that may be providing the the subtext or not? Pramik, uh, as 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 has mentioned, um, the ANC is a broad church, and 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 it has always been contested. You can go back to as far back as. Uh, the 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 forties. Um, the 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 always been that that um, uh, ideological contest within the ANC. Um, in recent years, um, maybe for 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 the two thousands, <laughs> who may be listening to us, um, in recent years, Julius Malima, twenty ten, led a youth league um, that wanted nationalisation and they wanted it now. And there were people who were saying, no, 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 don't rush, uh, not now. And then the same people, fast forward 2017, were the ones who, with 
more radical uh, uh, proposals in the ANC in, in, in 2017. And, and, and then those 2017 battles are the ones that we are seeing now. And people are using these ideological uh, proposals or, or, or stances to push whatever political interest that they, that they have. I, I believe, Pramaik, uh, uh, that um, uh, there, there isn't much of, a, of an ideological difference within the ANC, but people use those differences or, or, or whether they create uh, the, the, the the existence of those differences whenever there is some kind of a contest and they brandish they will uh, they will uh, brandish the, the other fraction as, um, as 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 holding a certain stance while they 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 claim to be the real ANC and that is why they hold a certain view uh, if you look at back at the resolutions taking at at at, uh, at Nazarek, we are told that there's a faction within the ANC that doesn't want to implement those um, those resolutions. Uh, we are told by another faction that this other faction does not want to implement those resolutions. But another faction says, actually, we, we, we own those resolutions. They are ours. And we are going to implement them. But we are not going to implement them now. We are going to follow all processes that are needed. So you always have that. I don't think there are huge intricate differences within the ANC that, that, will, um, <clears throat> that, that, that might lead to people uh, uh, going different ways. But it it, it, it it all has to do with political interest. It all has to do with which faction wants to take control of the ANC. The fight is not about ideology, but the fight is really about the control of the party. Dr. Ngulunga, you, 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 you uh, mentioned the, the often uh, uh, mentioned statement which ANC leads society. And it, it's, 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 uh, you know, you're saying that whatever happens inside the ANC affects society. So if the ANC becomes good, society becomes good. If the ANC becomes bad, society has difficulties. Um, the, the, it, it seems to me that um, the, the, you, you're not even having a broad church right now. Uh, it looks like you've, you've got Catholics and Protestants and you're asking them to agree. How, how long can the stalemate go on for? I mean, it, it, it would seem to be unsustainable that, that an important party like that is not able, for, for example, it, I, I take it this stalemate would affect policymaking, implementation, appointments in the state, the effectiveness of the state, etc. And, and basically the, good, you know, the goodwill of, of the country as a whole. How, how long can this sustain for, do you think? Well, I maybe we should look at other comparative cases. I mean, there is another political party actually that inspired the formation of the ANC. That was uh, the Indian National Congress, which was formed in 1885 and, uh, and took over power in 1947. It was in power for a long time. Check it in, uh, in, in India at the Congress party. Check it the last elections I mean, in 2019. It got about 44 seats out of 500, over 500 seats. I, I think that if the ANC does not reform and sort out its problems, um, I think what is likely to happen is that South African citizens, no matter how long it will take them, will probably will end up voting it out in, in a sense. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, the ANC actually has been a party in decline. We do not notice it much, I mean, because it is a dominant political party. In South Africa, there is a, a huge gap between the ANC, 
say, for instance, in the Democratic Alliance, I mean, which is the official opposition. But I mean, if you look at the ANC closely, I mean, even uh, the fever that was there, people supporting the ANC is just not there. And this is partly because the fights inside the ANC are internal fights amongst the elite in the ANC itself. So um, if there is a stalemate, a political stalemate inside the ANC, it will have consequences. And at some point, both members of the ANC and just the general public will respond. Unfortunately, we are a democratic society. And they will start. I mean, their votes, some of them may decide not to go vote. Others may vote for smaller political parties. But I mean, if you went into India in 1970, you would not have predicted that the Congress Party would be a small party it is after its dominance of Indian politics for a long time. Some of these things take a long time, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, ANC doesn't solve its internal political problems. What would happen? It would lose political support as it has been doing. And then you might end up having coalition politics, but I think that is the direction it is going to take. Okay. I think it's a topic that I would like us to come back to, you know, at another time as to what, what is likely to happen where the disintegration or, or, or diminution of the ANC's role in our society happen. Were that to happen, what would be the consequences for all of us? You know? uh, but, but let's go to the, to the other story of the week, you know. Uh, which which is in which was in Midrand uh, in Gauteng. Uh, looking at the goings on at the Pan African Parliament, what did you feel as an African? I mean, these are people who are sent by their countries. You know, money is spent. Uh, they are nominated so that they are to do. Doctor Doctor will tell us what they, what they are supposed to be doing in Midrand. But money is spent for them to do that, and they spend pretty much two weeks achieving nothing and fighting among themselves, threatening to kill each other. What, 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 how did you feel watching the, the whole spectacle? It tells you about the, the, the state of our politics in Africa, Pramaik. Um, the, the legacy of apartheid, um, of, of colonialization in, in, in Africa. I'll give you an example. I spent a, a time in an African country where I was with a group of African journalists. And, 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 and guess what, Pramaik? We were separated. There was Anglophone and Francophone. And um, <laughs> and you were at the same event. At, at the same event for a month, um, there was anglophone and it was francophone, and there were people in the francophone who didn't want the other francophones to interact with us, and and, and that is playing itself out there in 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 um, in, in, um, in in the Pan African Parliament, and 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 it, it is the reason of some of the of the wars that you see in Africa, in Cameroon, for an example, there is a. There is a huge conflict between the Afro uh, Anglophone and the Francophone, and uh, <laughs> it it's ridiculous, really. And um, and and it's the same thing playing itself out at, at the Pan African Parliament. It, it's supposed to be an institution that discusses how we 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 get out of this mess. How do we resolve conflict in Africa, and how do we bring about development in Africa? But they are just fighting amongst themselves for the for, for the whole week. And uh, yeah, it tells you about the the, the state of, of 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 our politics in Africa, and uh, and and the road that we need to travel in order for mm. us to solve our problems. It's a long road ahead. Doctor mm. Ngolonga, is is it a case of uh, issues being lost in the translation because we're speaking different languages, or or or, or is it much much deeper than that? You know. 
Yes, Mongawonke has just, you know, related his experience with it, this language, Anglophone, Francophone thing, you know. Some people might even throw in Lusophone, you know, just to complicate the thing even further, you know. What, 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 you know, from where you're sitting, what, what, what is driving this? Because, because I think the spectacle was quite terrible, you know, that, that it, looked like, it looked like the people were not even treating each other as fellow Africans. Well, I mean, it is much deeper. I think uh, Shoba is, is right. Um, it's a division that has always been there since the beginning. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to take you back, I mean, to your history uh, books, I mean, when you were doing, when you were in high school, right, Mike? I mean, they were, they were teaching us about the Casablanca group and the Monrovia group, because actually that that was the division in the African continent. And, and the dividing line, before we get to Francophone and Anglophone, has always been how closely integrated the African, uh, well, I mean, how closely integrated Africa should should be. I mean, there were, I mean, if you think about Kwame Nkrumah, I mean, and uh, those people who were called the Casablanca group, they made a huge argument that we needed closer political and, and economic integration in the African continent. Others, uh, especially countries in West Africa, mostly Francophone, Africa joined by, by Nigeria, argued for what they call sovereignty and nationhood and that they shouldn't be interference. And of course, their vision won, I mean, when the OEU was formed in 1963. Now, I mean, I've been uh, in meetings of AU many times. I mean, so what you saw happening in Midland is something that is quite familiar, actually, in the African continent that there is a colonial divide, I mean, between what is called Anglophone and Francophone. But there is also another additional thing about Southern Africa. Southern Africa is an odd region in the African continent, which was the argument that was made, for instance, by South Africans who are arguing for rotation, that other regions have had a chance to lead the African continent, I mean, the African parliament, but Southern Africa is not. Um, Southern Africa has always been considered, in a sense, a more radical region in the, in the African continent because it has former liberation movements. We saw that playing out, by the way, over the issue of readmission of Morocco. I think it was, 20, it was 2018 where large numbers of African countries, especially from the West, Francophone countries, said, uh, Morocco should be readmitted without addressing the issue of Western Sahara. And the holdouts were mostly countries from Southern Africa with Algeria that has always aligned itself. So it's more than the issue of translation. I mean, there are deep political, cultural differences. Can, 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 just, just before we, we, we run out of time, can this disease be cured or not? Just very briefly from where you're sitting. How do you even begin to fix it? If you're saying it goes back many, many decades and it, it still persists today with a new generation of African leaders, these are younger people. Yeah. Look, it would be, it would be very difficult, uh, partly because also the former colonial powers uh, still have a hand in trying to influence what goes on in the, in the African continent. But let's face it, I mean, Africa is in a much better place in a sense than it was, say, 30 years or so. With the formation of the African Union, it is a much better place. I think what has made a huge difference is that those people were at the forefront of the formation of the AU and all the institutions, including the Pan-African Parliament, 
are not there. I mean, I could ask you the, the, the question, who are the leaders of Africa today? We knew before, uh, for instance, former President Mbegi was one of the main leaders of Africa, Obasanjo, Boteflika. I can give you names. I mean, I do not know whether right now we have the leaders who share the same vision and passion for uh, Africa's uh, cooperation than we had before. Okay. Uh, that's all we have time for on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly. Unfortunately, we will have to wrap it up there. And uh, I'd like to thank my guest, Sbonga uh, Gwankeshoba, who's the Sunday Times uh, Politics Editor, as well as Dr. Bongani Ngulunga, who's the Director of the Johannesburg Institute for Advanced Study at the University of Johannesburg. And by the way, he is uh, the author of uh, the book, The Man Who Founded the ANC, which is a biography of uh, Pixley Gaisaga Seme. Uh, and by the way, to catch our podcast, you can go to iono.fm, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. Until next time, do stay safe, sanitize, wear that mask, and avoid crowded places. I'm Mike Siluma signing off. Mm-hmm.